Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. It's good to be with you. If you have not signed up for our Dad Tired annual retreat, man, I really, really want you there. And I know it's going to be helpful for you as a husband and a father and a disciple. Don't let any excuse stop you from being there. I promise you all the guys that came last year said it was the highlight of their year. And I know it will be for you too. Make sure you go to dadtired.com forward slash retreat. We have early bird pricing now. The price will go up very soon. And so we want you to get in now so we can secure your spot. We have 300 spots available. A lot of those are already being filled up. Go to dadtired.com forward slash retreat and sign up for that today. We are going to be talking about money today, which uh, if you hear that, you're like, oh, geez, skip to the next episode. But man, we're going to talk about one practically. You know, how do you, as a spiritual leader of your home, think through money from a very practical level? But before that, we want to talk about just as a worship, like the reason Jesus talked about money so much is because it's actually a worship issue. It's a heart issue. And so if you're committed to being the spiritual leader of your home and having your heart change for the glory of God, listen to this whole episode. It's going to be helpful for you. Anyway, I'll step aside and we'll jump right into this conversation that I know is going to be helpful. I love you guys. Let's jump in. Stockton, super excited to be hanging out with you today, man. Did you know I grew up in a town called Stockton or right next to a town called Stockton? <laughs> really? I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So okay. every time I see your name pop up, it brings back childhood memories. But yeah. uh, anyway, man, super hopefully, excited. Hopefully good, good ones. ones. Well, <laughs> I won't tell you all the stats of Stockton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're yeah. much better than statistically, I'm sure, than the, than the stats of the, the town. <laughs> I have uh, heard any, some of those. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, man. I'm super excited about our conversation today. I'd love for you to introduce yourself, kind of tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. And really, we met just because you're a dad tired guy. Like, I just want to say that right off the bat That's for right. any of our dad tired listeners. Yeah. Like, you're a dad tired guy. You've been involved in the ministry for a long time. I, when I say involved, like, you've just been, you've read the books, you listen to the podcast, you're involved in the community, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But that's how we met is just you kind of being a dad, trying to figure out what it looks for, like mm-hmm. for you to be a spiritual leader of your home. But then we connected on some other stuff. So I'd love for you just to introduce yourself, tell us what you're up to these days. And, Yeah, man, I'm excited for this conversation. So the first thing I'll say is if you clicked on this podcast and it says anything about finances, I promise it won't be boring. (laughs) That's not our goal today. Yeah. But yeah, so going backwards, read uh, your books in a men's group that I led for eight years. Mm. It was really an awesome book to read. Uh, We read Dad Tired and really excited about Mixtape. I loved hearing the... uh, chapter from it oh, listening to it yesterday excited for that one but honestly this was one of the books that really stuck with our group we read a ton of books we read a lot of the bible but this was a really practical book and i think a lot of guys got a lot out of it so mm-hmm. that's how we kind of started with you and then kind of continued to talk over instagram and things and even had a really cool opportunity for jared to come out to a men's retreat that we were gonna do and didn't happen but just your willingness to do that was really cool and I've just really appreciated following you and the podcast has been awesome. Really gotten into that recently too and excited to be on. Yeah, man. Well, what's your background for work-wise? Like, you know, I, I know you, well, I'll, I'll let you describe. Like, tell us, you yeah. know, you're a dad, you're a husband, but for vocation stuff, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so, so uh, uh, married 13, 13 years, years, have four, four kids, kids. Uh, two boys, 11 and nine, and two girls, four and six. But for work, financial advisor, worked with a large corporation for the last 10 years and been in the business for 13. Wow. We focus on kind of all all different different types of clients, clients, but mostly individuals and families. And so I've seen a lot of life. That's one benefit that 
I have in this job is that it isn't really just about the stock market or investments or we really help families. We often say that we sit at the intersection of people and money. Mm. And those are really deep relationships, really hard relationships sometimes. Mm -hmm. We often hear more about our clients' lives than maybe they even tell their family or their mm. therapist <laughs> mm. because it gets down to the nitty gritty sometimes and sometimes for great exciting things too it's not all bad but i in 13 years feel like i've lived an entire lifetime of financial decision making or, or seeing financial things play out so mm. really been able to help a lot of people through a lot of different life situations and that's why I feel like I have a little bit of a platform to speak on this today. But the really cool part for me is trying to bring faith into this. Yeah, we, It's really important, I think, to look at this through a faith lens. And a lot of people divorce the two, that you can't really talk about money and God at the same time. Mm. But I think it's actually the opposite. And we'll kind of get into that here. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. It's interesting that you said you feel like there people are sharing more with you uh, than they might be sharing in a counseling session. And it makes sense because, I mean, like Jesus talked about, you can't serve both God and money, which really keyed us into, clued us into the fact that, that this is like a heart issue. Like there's, it's a worship okay. issue. That's what Jesus yeah. essentially said. Money is a worship is, issue. So I'd love for, you know, I want to dive into some real practical stuff, but from your experience as just trying to be the spiritual leader of your home, when you think through money and you, like you said, we often divorce those two things, like how, how have you mm -hmm. seen in your personal life and in your professional life, like, okay, how did these two, two things come together where we're thinking through money mm -hmm. from a spiritual leader perspective, a gospel perspective? Yeah, definitely. So to back up even further, just what is money, right? Money is a medium of exchange. That's all it is. Mm. Uh, money is a tool and it's a tool that can be used for good or for bad. In and of itself, it can't be either of those things. Mm. It becomes good when people decide to use their heart inklings and their heart, you know, Holy Spirit movement in their heart to do good things with it. And then on the opposite side too, right? right? When we use money for bad, it can be used for really bad things. So you know, often we hear about Occupy Wall Street or we hear about Big Pharma or the establishment or something. And those are just people with broken worldviews and broken hearts that are using money and power and influence and things for bad, not good. Yeah. So it isn't that just because someone has a lot of money means that they're going to be ultimately corrupted. Right. We see some of the generosity that we see all around us is really just coming from that good part of using money as a tool for good and for mm -hmm. the gospel. And I think of just a real specific example. Someone spent, let's see, actually it was two commercials. So $14 million was spent mm -hmm. for uh, Super Bowl commercials for those Jesus, he gets us commercials. Yeah. You know, it could be on either side of that. Was that money well spent? I don't know. But that was somebody or a group of people putting money together to try and say, hey, let's get a good message out there instead of halftime shows or things like that. <laughs> yeah. You would never say this about yourself, but like you've given to the dad tired ministry. You've used your money and generosity to support the dad tired ministry, which is in turn, we scholarship guys to come to our conferences. We pay for guys to come to our one day retreat. As a result, some of those guys end up giving their life to Christ or become better mm -hmm. spiritual leaders. They get baptized. I saw multiple guys give their life to Christ this weekend. Sometimes we'll do free conferences for small churches because we know mm -hmm. they can't afford a big thing. So we'll just go in there and do it. For All of that is because guys like you have said, I want to give toward kingdom stuff. So 
I mean, to say that money is just a bad thing, that mm -hmm. was only a result of people saying, hey, I, I'm going to use my money as a way to be generous so that I, as a tool to see the kingdom expand all over the world and it's happening. So I, I know yeah, you would have never yeah, said right. that, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's a big deal and you're living that yeah. out personally. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. I'm just going to hit a couple of these. This is really kind of interesting stuff that the Bible talks about money a ton. In researching this, I mean, this is what's so cool about the Bible is that it's not an old history book. Right. Right. That you just can put on a shelf and say that, oh, yeah, I read it one time, but it reads us. So mm. <laughs> money or the Bible talking about money and how many times it's so practical. It's so real. It's stuff we can use right now. So I'll just read a couple of these. It says there are more than 2000 scriptures on tithing in the Bible wow. about money possessions and twice as many verses in the bible about faith and prayer combined mm. wow <laughs> uh, 16 of the 38 of jesus's parables deal with money and possessions nearly 25 percent of jesus's words in the new testament deal with biblical stewardship and one out of 10 verses in the gospels deal with money wow that's a lot yeah and so that gets so that into gets exactly into what you were saying i had that same verse down that um, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and be enslaved to money so that's from jesus's sermon on the mount um, and then also goes on to say for where your treasure is there your heart will be also yeah i think i had this, I had this awesome, awesome uh, uh, visual, visual at our, at our old church, church that i went, I went to, to and it's definitely like a 90s visual okay <laughs> our pastor had this giant like six foot check that was on, no, no, it was a dollar bill, six foot dollar bill that was on wheels. And then it had like a chain and he'd chain it on to like his belt or something and walk around the stage. <laughs> and it was like the hokiest thing, but it was so perfect for what I'm talking about is that wherever either money is going to pull you somewhere or you can pull your money mm -hmm. along with you. And, and like you said, that it can change the way that you do things or you can take your money and tell it where to go, yeah. um, whether that's into ministry or just good financial stewardship by not wasting it or spending it on silly things. or So, so a lot of it has to do with the heart intent that you have for your money. I think when I think of my experience with people and talking about money, this is both my personal experience, my friends, conversations I've had in ministry. It seems like the two kind of major ends of the spectrum would be one, you have people who just have an abundance of money and it seems like that's a big part of their world they talk about money a lot and they got a lot mm -hmm. of it and then you have another segment on the other side of the spectrum who they're like i'm probably not even going to click this podcast because i don't even like i'm just trying to survive mm -hmm. this month like to make sure there's enough money in the account and so like thinking through like how to be a good steward of my money like I, those conversations mm -hmm. feel irrelevant to me because i just am trying to survive yeah has that been your experience in working with people and talking to people about money yeah, I think so. I think there's space for both, though, because what I will tell you in my experience is that even people that have, let's say, more money than average, sometimes have more problems than people that have an average amount of money or less than average. Yeah, I believe that. And when you look at, again, it goes back to the heart because someone that is struggling with money and is it's maybe just trying to make an, make things, they are also tempted by what they think money can get them that's right. or even like on a really tough side of that it's like they're tempted to cheat and steal 
Whereas someone with a more abundance, maybe actually their thing they're struggling with is sloth, right? So they're, hey, I have so much, I just don't need to care about this anymore. So I'm just going to spend and not be a good steward and not give. And it's not a big deal, right? I don't mean to call those people out who are really struggling and doing a good job, but they are oftentimes temptations and struggles on that end as well in the same way that there's temptations and struggles on the side of having an excess. That's really well said. And it's a good thought because I, I remember saying one time in a message when I was teaching about money that you don't have to have a bunch of money to worship it. You can worship right. money without having it yep. because you are convinced that that having more of it will satisfy the deepest parts of your soul. If I just had X amount, it's funny. I know they've done studies on this, but it's always like, you know, it's always the, the next tier up. So if you, you know, for easy math, if you, made $10,000 a year, which, you know, obviously not many people are making that little, but if you're making $10,000 a year, you are convinced that 15,000 would satisfy you, you know, and mm -hmm. it just keeps incrementally growing, whatever the thing is, you make 100,000, you're yeah. convinced that the 120,000 are going to, or 150,000 is going to be where the sweet spot is. But it's always that lure of money that is, you're convinced. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think Jesus said, like, it's just a rat race, and you're going to find your heart attached to something that cannot satisfy your soul. And so you don't need to have a that's lot of right. money to worship it. Yeah, that's that chasing the golden carrot idea. Yeah, exactly. Is that it will always be in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the richest people on the face of the earth are still feel like they don't have enough. Mm -hmm. It's why they continue to work, you know, 12 hour days like Elon Musk does and things like that. He just always wants more. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be. There's another, I'm, I want to read this quote. It's not mine, but it says, we feel the weight of money's absence or we possess a sense of self-sufficiency when we have it in abundance. Mm. Read it one so, more time. Read, this, read it again. We feel the weight of the absence of money, or we possess a sense of self-sufficiency when we have it in abundance. Interesting. So that gets back to maybe the rich young ruler, mm -hmm. right? It's a good example in the Bible when Jesus says, go sell all your possessions and follow me. A lot of people like to say Jesus was saying that we should all sell everything we have and no one should be rich nobody should have money or excess but what he was getting at there was his heart right so he was saying basically i've done all these things i am successful how do i get into heaven and what jesus saw because he's one of these awesome moments where whether it's the woman at the well or this rich young ruler where jesus has that cheat code where he knows exactly everything about that person i love it <laughs> But he saw his heart in that moment and said, no, your, your issue is pride yeah, and your issue is your self-sufficiency. And mm -hmm. you just listed off how the things that you did thinking you could get into heaven, but that's not how it works. Right. right. But I also, I also think, think that, that a absence of money or, or maybe not having enough can also be really stressful. So that's something that is still really important that we want to work towards having our financial lives in order so that we're not constantly thinking about money. Yeah. Because if you're constantly thinking about money or how to make ends meet or things, you're not really focused on God. So you're exactly right and kind of backing up a bit to say that if we don't have our financial houses in order, it can be a stressor and be something that takes our focus away from from God and our families and you know, you hear a lot about, well gosh, I got to work two jobs so I'm never home and hopefully that's just for a time right that's not something you want to strive for the rest of your life you want to be able to go to church and be with your family and be in a place again not of comfort but in a place of where that it's not a weight but it's also not self-sufficiency yeah 
So let's try to dive into some practicals there for that person mm-hmm. who's like, okay, I'm I'm struggling. I you know I want I feel like we're always money is controlling us. It's leading us. We're not money's leading the dance. We're not leading the dance, and we want to grow out of that as a family. We want to be a gospel centered family. We want to see money in a healthy mm-hmm. way, but we just feel like we're really tied to money. Like where does somebody like that start? Yeah, I think the first place that you start to soften your heart towards money and towards God and, and his view of money is giving. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse from Malachi. And just as a aside here, this is, we're told in the Bible not to uh, test God, right? Mm. But there's this verse in Malachi, it's the only time in, in the Bible at all that God says, test me in this or mm. put me to the test. Mm. And it's Malachi 3.10, he says, says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Mm. And so when I look at that, I think giving in general, whether it's to the church or not, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have never given to the church, but everyone here knows in some way that the feeling that you get when you give to someone, whether it's your time, your talent or, or treasure, meaning money, it's a really, really great feeling. And so what Courtney and I, my wife and I have done is we have always agreed on what we're going to give to the church. Um, we've prayed about it. We've sort of come up with a number and then we bounce it off each other. And it's always something that if it feels comfortable, it's probably not a sacrifice, mm. right? It doesn't mean that we need to put ourselves into a bad spot ourselves into poverty so that we can support the church. Cause I think there, there's verses in Thessalonians about that, mm. that we do need to still work and take care of ourselves to not be a burden. Mm. But at the same time, if, if we're giving just enough that it doesn't really affect our lives, then where's our heart in that? Mm. So I think giving is, it's actually such a, a gift to the giver. It really is. It's better to give than to receive. Yeah. So it, it, at the same, same time, time, when, when you, you start, start to stop relying on yourself and start giving to a church or an organization, or it really starts to break those heart ties because you're literally letting go of something you worked really hard for. Yeah. And it's hopefully going to benefit that charity or that church. Or So there's some ways that we can direct where that money goes. We're not just saying, hey, it goes away and let's hope God likes that. We are able to direct that in some ways, but I, I really think that that is the best way to start your journey of that dependence or that reliance on money is actually to let some of it go. And it's tough sometimes. I, well, I imagine some people hear that and they're like, all right, next episode. <laughs> like, I don't want to yeah, give, I don't yeah, I get give. that. My friend, Chris, who has been on our podcast a lot, he, he shares, does a lot of episodes with us here at Dead Tired, but he talked about how God instituted these commands that basically will go that are they're helping shape everything that our heart would normally gravitate towards idolatry. So if we mm-hmm. if we have the tendency or temptation to work too much, he instituted Sabbath so that mm-hmm. we would rest. Like I'm going to make you rest because I know your tendency that is going to be to work too much. If you're going to be gluttonous with your just in lust after all these things and be a person after your flesh, I'm going to institute fasting to make you con- mm-hmm. not you know so that you're you're saying no to your flesh. If you're going to be let money control you, then I'm going to institute giving so that you can say, that's mm-hmm. not my God. I'm going to choose to say money is not my God. I give it away. All of these are sacrifices we make to say, I'm not ruled 
by my flesh, but I live by the Spirit of God. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's really good. When it comes to money, we'll either worship wealth or worship with our wealth. And that's exactly, you mentioned that before, and that's a cool thing to think about. And a lot of people, it might be tough to understand that, but giving is worship. And that's a tough concept, I think, for some people, because it's not singing, it's not praying, it's not any of those things. And you don't want to give up those things and say, oh, well, I just give, so I don't need to worship in other ways. But I think that's a really important thing. And looking at what God says in the Bible about the Sabbath or about fasting, this is where I come back to the fact that the Bible is such a guidebook. It really is. I think I've heard you say it enough that I can say this on here that if we're not reading it, you're missing so much amazing wisdom for our lives. It's shocking to see people who are searching for answers and there's this book right there for them that they're they're not reading so. well i on that specific no i think that there's actually a i'm convinced there's some kind of there's a spiritual battle happening when it comes to reading the scriptures <laughs> um yeah. like i know so many people who desperately know and want to be in the word of god and yet there's just something in them that says i can't stay consistent with it i can read a whole book i can listen to an audio book i can do all this mm-hmm. stuff but when it comes to actually reading the word of god something is stopping me and i'm just convinced like it's because it's a book like no other uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you might be able to finish a dad tired book but you have a hard time reading a couple chapters in the bible and i think that's because there's actual like warfare happening around it the enemy wants there's warfare more. and then and then like i said it reads you right so if you literally you. sit yeah. there and you really expose yourself mm-hmm. to what it's saying and to say that gosh am i dealing with that am i struggling in that way mm-hmm. it's actually hard yes <laughs> it's hard to sit there like that and yep. I don't know. I don't want to call it being beat over the head, but actually if if we can live into that and we can sit with that, man, it just truly reads you and can change you if you allow it. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. The Bible says it's a, it's yeah. a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it's right. It's going to pierce. That's know? right. And, yeah. uh, so should we move on to some kind of more practical yeah, things? Yeah, I think there's a lot of families who yeah. are just like, all right, man, I, you know, I don't want this to be a idolatry issue for me. So tell me like, what do I do practically to start? thinking through this yeah i'll talk about one quick part and this is dad tired so i'm talking mostly to guys i understand there's a lot of women that listen which i think is awesome but i just want to talk about kind of leadership structure in the home i'm maybe have a different viewpoint on this than we can debate it all day long i'm sure but i think from what i've seen as a financial advisor is where i'm i'm speaking from so just hear it from that and it's from experience it's from maybe compared to the age range of this podcast, I'm watching down the road mm. with a lot of our clients who have gone through, I guess, losing a spouse or even kind of end of life kind of situation. So I'm speaking from that. So let me just say this real quick, that I truly believe that making financial decisions in your home should be a joint decision with your spouse. Mm. I think that our wives have amazing wisdom and they have their own Holy Spirit leading and intuition that I think think a lot of men know not of. (laughs) It's amazing to me sometimes. I know you've said it too about Layla a lot. And I believe that about my wife too. She is so smart in so many ways that I will never be. And a lot of it comes into that feeling side and and financial decisions are not black and white. I've really realized that in, in my experience is that there is a whole lot more emotion involved in financial decision-making than there is dollars and cents in black and white. 
some really great financial decisions Courtney and I have made. She's been a part of, and then some really tough ones that I've made and she wasn't a part of. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that I wasn't counseling her. Mm. And it's hard for us because I work in this every single day and I have to challenge myself to make sure that she's being involved in things because it's easy for me to just handle stuff on my own. But I think it's really important to involve our wives. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of getting down my list here and I'll tell you why. Our wives are likely going to die without us. So I'm just going to pause here for a second and say this is where it gets really important. Eight out of 10 women that are married will die without a spouse. And I witness this all the time. Okay. So we deal with in later in years, uh, we deal with a lot of widows and almost every single one of them come to us with absolutely no idea how to make financial decisions. They're lost is actually like a polite word to say. And it was because whether you call it generational or not, a lot of women were not involved in financial decision-making and I mean, I've seen, I've had to have have tissue boxes boxes out on the desk desk as I help widows through not just just sadness sadness about about losing their spouse, but just feeling so lost. So I'm saying that to you young dads, you young husbands out there right now, involve your wife because there's a certain spot. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, right? So it could be tomorrow or it could be in 30 or 40 years, but I don't want my wife to sit there the day that I'm gone and say, man, I am so lost. I have no idea how to handle financial decisions. So what does that look like? So this is a, uh, a verse from Isaiah. And this is in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die. You shall not recover. So this is, Again, where it's going to get really practical, but it comes from the Bible that I think as men, we're called to get our houses in order. And I don't mean, you know, make sure there's there's a light bulb that's out. You need to fix it, right? I'm talking about our financial lives very specifically, like end of life stuff. And again, don't hit, don't hit end on this podcast because this is tough stuff to talk about. It is. It's not fun. That's why a lot of people just don't even have a lot of these documents and these things figured out because it sucks. Sorry to say that, (laughs) but it's tough to talk about. It's emotional. A lot of people avoid talking about it. There's the whole idea that if I make some of these decisions now, that it's somehow going to come true. I've heard people say that. Um, Or the opposite. If I don't talk about it, maybe it won't happen. There you go. That too. Exactly right. Avoidance either way. (laughs) Right. So what I'm specifically talking about to get real practical, I call it, I call it an, if I die book. So this is something I put together and I'll be honest, it's not fun to do because you're literally thinking through a life that exists without you and, and without your spouse too, if you have children. And what I'm talking about is a will, a trust. If you have that situation, a medical directive, which is basically what they used to call a living will, which is like, Hey, if I'm in a coma, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And then power of attorney, medical power of attorney and financial power of attorney. And so, and so I look at all of these things and oh, oh I got to keep going here. A breakdown of all your accounts that include passwords for getting into those websites, investment accounts, 401ks, 
company stock. It's usually kind of held in a different way. Life insurance, annuities, make sure your beneficiaries are always updated on those so that they're your wife and your children. And then the last one that's probably the toughest, and some people just don't even do it, but is a letter to your family. Mm. Basically writing a love letter that says that, hey, guys, I'm not here anymore, but here's how much I love you and mm. here's how I want things to go. So can I, can I pause I, you for a second I sit, yeah. there and just add some thoughts? The So first, going back to this should be a joint decision. I think that that's so important because going back to where your money is, your heart is, and I want my heart mm -hmm. to be deeply connected to my spouse and to God. Mm -hmm. And yes. so if I'm doing this alone, so I know that there are a lot of husbands who are dealing with finances by themselves and you're missing out on a piece of connecting with your wife's heart and she's missing out on a piece of your heart and vice versa. You know, there's wives who are handling all the finances and you're missing out on a piece of your husband's heart. So because you're not right. fully connected, if like we're not talking about money together, you're missing a connect, a deep connection together. And so the reason we do it is not just practically. I want you to like, for sure, I want you to know all the wisdom of and how to make financial decisions if I'm not here. But even deeper, like I want our hearts to be connected. And I know money, our money, mm -hmm. our hearts are attached to money. And so we have to be in this together. So if you're a couple listening or if your spouse listening to this, and you're doing it by yourself or your spouse is doing it by yourself, get involved so that your hearts can be involved together in this. And again, it's a worship issue. We want to worship together. We want to use our money as a tool for God's glory. And then yeah, that's great. I want to speak to the the thing, the list that you put there. Layla, as an oncology nurse, walks people into death constantly, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. very few people have thought through this stuff. Yeah. And when rubber meets the road and you're holding a loved one's hand, who is finishing out their life, these things become very stressful. And Layla sees it practically all the time. Very, very stressful. And so when you don't have those directives and like, what do you want to do if I'm in a coma and stuff? I know those are hard mm -hmm. conversations, mm -hmm. but like it, it causes a lot of stress on family members when they hadn't been thought through ahead of time. And it will allow a much more peaceful experience if you think through it ahead of time. And then lastly, the last thought I had there is writing that letter, which I thought, is really good. I haven't done that, uh, but I thought that was really convicting and really good. But one of the things that that does is it reminds us how short our life is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm writing a letter, but I'm when I'm doing that, I'm also remembering, dude, this life is a mist. And when I take time mm -hmm. to write a letter of, hey, I'm dead, it kind of sobers me up to all mm -hmm. the things that I'm chasing that are really dumb, <laughs> just to put it frankly. And so it's Absolutely, hard to go on and man. live your life yeah. that day when you're and your your daughter spills milk all over the couch and you want to explode, but you just wrote a letter about your death. Somehow that milk on the couch doesn't seem like as big of a deal because you're you're remembering, oh yeah, dude, like I'm gonna be gone soon. What really matters and what doesn't. So anyway, those are yeah, some thoughts I had absolutely. as you shared your great advice. No, I love that. And that's one thing I had written down here too, which was this is actually one of the biggest ways that you can serve your spouse or your extended family or your kids too, is to have these things in order. Because personally, I don't wanna to get to a spot, whether it's tomorrow or in 30 years, where I hadn't thought about any of this stuff yeah. and I'm gone and they say, gosh, dad didn't do any of this. Mm. So just let that sink in for a second, right? Mm. I want them to go, wow, dad had all this in order. Mm. He was really thinking about us. Even 30 years ago, he was thinking about us. Right. Or my or your wife or even extended family. I don't want my in-laws or something to go, gosh, they just, Stockton didn't think about this, right? right? I care about that.
can you and then can you put lastly, that list can you put that list uh send it over and we'll put it in the show notes i know some of you guys if you're like where are the show notes if you just go to dadtire.com and click the podcast tab you can click any episode and it would tell every it has all of the sponsors in there any resources we talk about during the episode all of that stuff is in the show notes on dadtire.com so when you go to that but we'll if sucked if you'll send that list over because it was Absolutely. it was really good stuff yeah, but it was yeah. a lot so guys can, can yeah, just kind of yeah. check each of those things off I'll send that over and also say very quickly here, these are documents that you can do and create online. There's a company called Trust and Will, there's Rocket Lawyer, there's LegalZoom. A lot of people think that wills have to be like filed with the state, they don't. So you write it, you get it witnessed, don't even need it notarized. So a lot of times that keeps people from doing it because they're like, gosh, I'm send it in like a tax return that's going to get rejected or something. Yeah. That's, that's not, not the way it is. It's just your wishes for how things go at the end of your life. And it's really important. And then if you want to go to an attorney and you have a more complex situation, blended family things, they're great too. Nothing against attorneys. It's just some people hear that yeah. word and they hear yeah. expensive like, fees, yeah, all the, all the, all the yeah. above. Right. So yeah, I'll send that list. Send but it just all over. All those websites a lot you of just mentioned everything. Yeah. Just send it all over. We'll yeah. dump it in the show yeah. notes. We'll do. And then, I guess uh, going back to the letter, I'll just mention this real quick. I had a small group leader at my church do this with us when we were in maybe sophomores in, co- in uh, high school. And then I did it again with our men's group that I led for eight years I, at a retreat that we had. This is just maybe a quick little aside for group leaders or uh, small group leaders or things that I had our guys write their own obituary. Mm. And that I'm telling you is one of the most emotional things I've ever done. Yeah, it, to, talk about yeah in a good way. I mean, talk about pausing and thinking, man, what does my life look like? What has it stood for? What would people remember me for? Mm-hmm. Uh, very sobering, very interesting thing to do, hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Really done well with some other brothers, you know, to talk through that and support each other through it because it's tough. Mm-hmm. But similar to what you're saying is kind of putting that spotlight back on yourself for half a second and it making making sure it's not just some time to puff yourself up but it's actually very humbling because you're saying the world would say all these things about me but what would god say about me what would my family say about me what would my pastor say about me and it's very humbling good words man Wrap us up with just any other practical things you have for any family who's listening to this that thinks, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to start busting through that list. But is there any kind of parting words you'd want to give to a young husband or wife who's listening to this that wants to think through money in a gospel-centered way? Yeah, being dad tired, I feel like I can talk about this briefly, which is healthy financial education for kids. Mm. Um, we don't have to hit it too hard, but I'll, I'll send you these this, this list, list too. too. But I think I hear a lot of young adults say that I'm lost when it comes to money. They didn't teach me this in high school. They didn't teach it to me in college. Funny memes going around about why in college, why didn't they teach me how to do taxes, but they taught me how to you know, read literature. So I think it's important to get our children involved early in financial things. I remember before TurboTax was a thing and you had to actually fill out a 1040 form. My dad had me just do his taxes one year. I think I was like 12. It was <laughs> awful. I had a calculator and a pencil in <laughs> case I screwed awesome. up and I could. Yeah. yeah. But it really, I do my taxes to this day and I actually like enjoy it wow. because I was kind of taught how to do it. And wow. so now I would rather do it myself than tell someone else all my stuff and do it. So 
I say that and I'll take that into this vein. And this is some real practical stuff that you guys can do with your kids. So I have a few things here, saving, investing, taxes, debt, and giving. And I have really practical ways on, on how you can teach them in each of these. So saving, tell them about uh, savings rates and how they went up recently and why. And if you don't know, it's pretty easy to look up. The Federal Reserve's raising interest rates. It helps savers, hurts people trying to buy a house. Okay, you can, we don't have to go into all that. Investing, well, real, real tell quick, them like, why. What, what is it? Like, a, I didn't know about that. Is that like a just basic savings accounts? Is it like some Roth IRAs? Mm-hmm. What is it? No, just basic savings accounts, like CDs or certificates of deposit, or even just money market funds are paying like 4% right now. Wow. Um, and for the longest time, it was like 0.4%. Interesting. So there's different ways that we can earn money and that everyone looks at, oh, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. It's terrible. It's more expensive to get a mortgage. Well, on the flip side of that, while you're waiting, you can get paid you know, on your savings. So Great advice. look into that. Love it. Investing. So look at your own investment accounts or 401ks and tell them why your investments were probably down last year. Mm. So look at big picture, just explain in a age appropriate way what happened in the market last year. Taxes, I kind of mentioned this, but have them help you with a piece of your taxes. It doesn't have to be the whole thing like my dad did. Or you can, uh, if you use a CPA, just show them the documents that you gather to give to your CPA and why. Debt, explain why mortgage rates have gone up, similar to what I'm saying. Tell them what a principal and interest payment is and what that means, that you're paying some of it down and you're also paying interest to the bank. And then giving, this is a really important one, I think, is let your children see you giving. Mm. So I remember sitting in a pew with my dad and he'd write out a check, which hardly anyone does anymore, (laughs) thanks to COVID and thanks to all other ways of giving. But it's important for your kids to see you giving because they'll start to build that muscle and it will not be a surprise to them when they're out on their own. And then the last caveat I want to give with this that I think is really important, so don't miss this is be mindful of how much your children know about your full financial picture, Mm. okay? And that doesn't just mean for people with excess, it's also for people if the picture looks a little tough at the moment, financial stress is not stress that young kids need to bear, Mm. right? They don't need to share in the fact that you're struggling financially. There might be a healthy way to talk through some of that, but as kids, I don't think they need to share that that burden or that stress. And then on the flip side, money, as we talked about, is not bad in and of itself. But some we've seen and witnessed very small amounts of money given to children or knowing that it's coming, ruining lives. Mm. So it's really important that if you have, if you're in your 40s and you have a large excess of money, more than you could ever spend, your kids probably don't need to know that. It's okay for them to understand that you're comfortable, that you've worked hard. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think for a real specific reason, you don't want to kill motivation. Mm-hmm. So uh, if kids know, we've seen people just say, oh, you're going to inherit $5 million. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're you know, taking underwater basket weaving classes in college and not trying to get a job. Right, right. So just an interesting thought there to be mindful of that. That's a whole different, deeper conversation probably, but just be mindful that you're doing it in an age appropriate way. And then in terms of what makes sense for what they know at that time. I love it. 
I've I've seen people do too. I have friends that like if whether their kids are getting an allowance or they've got a little job. Like my son, we started a little business for him where he it's called It's My Duty and he picks up all the dog poop for our neighbors. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Charges five dollars a house. It's been great. Yeah. But he's learning like the taxes, like, okay, you're going to have to pay taxes at the end yeah. of that. Uh, he, learning supplies. Okay, you spent this much on bags and now you have to, mm-hmm. to cut that out of your income. It's been really helpful for him. But you can, however your kids might be receiving money, grandma gave them something. They have different jars out. So they have like a spending jar, a savings jar, yeah. a giving jar, a taxes giving, jar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even I know my friend Jeff Bethke, he does like a family taxes. Like this goes back to the family. Like we just need things in our home. So mm-hmm. this goes to the whole mm-hmm. family. Just to try to teach them taxes, like the the the, yeah. the principles behind taxes and what those are for. So those are just some practical ideas that you can do with your kids. But dude, this has been really good. I know you didn't, you told me like, I don't want to promote my stuff at all. I'm not here to promote my own thing. But there are going to be guys who listen to this and like, dude, can I just pick your brain on more stuff? Would that be okay if guys reach out Absolutely. to you in some way yeah. where they can just pick your brain on things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, open for questions. I know it's a pretty complex topic and personal situation. So yeah, I'm definitely open for that. Sweet. What's the best way to get a hold of yeah. you? Do you want me to put I'll it? put my email address in the okay. show notes. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So you can go to dadtire.com, click the podcast tab, and then just find this episode. And then um, Stockton will put his email there so you can ask any personal questions. But dude, thank you. This has been really, really good, man. I think it's a, if you, if you're a listener and you made it this far, I'm really proud of you for having a conversation. <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> really proud of you for having this conversation. Cause I know people see money stuff and they just check out uh, oftentimes. Yeah. So, but this is, um, yeah. again, we're, we're being spiritual leaders, man. We're trying to let God invade every area of our life, including our money. So I'm really grateful right. to have this conversation, man. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, as always, I hope that episode was helpful for you. If you have not signed up for the retreat, go to dadtire.com forward slash retreat. Secure your spot now. We also have a totally free community where you can keep these conversations going. Go to connect.dadtire.com. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.